Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Jeff's already exasperated with me. So. Oh, it's kind of my default state of being with you. Oh my god. Alright! <laughs> but we're here, I'm excited. We're here to review one of my favorite games ever. We're here to talk about a classic. We're here to talk about a genre mm-hmm. definer. And it is. That's all literal. We're here to talk about a game that probably we should have reviewed in the first ten and not the second ten. Probably. But oh well. <laughs> this is just off the cuff. So... We wanted to review games we really liked first. Um, That's true. So today we are talking about Final Fantasy One for the NES. Yes, Final Fantasy One on the NES, not all the remakes they've done of it, which nope. have vastly improved it. We went old school. Yeah, we played really the school. original. But before we tell you about what it was like to play the original again, let's take a look at some personal history. Yay. So my personal history with Final Fantasy, um, I played Final Fantasy 2 on the Super NES before I played the original Final Fantasy. I had played the Dragon Warriors on the NES, but I never played Final Fantasy. Um, so I played Final Fantasy 2, then went back and wanted to play the original, and that was a very weird order to play the games in when I was, you know, in my preteen years or whatever, because Final Fantasy, I loved Final Fantasy 2 so much and one was not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting, like, more adventures of Cecil in the gang from Final Fantasy II. Like, what happened to him before everything that happened in Final Fantasy II. So it was really disappointing to me back then. I also remember watching the Captain N episode of... Uh, the, ca- the episode of Captain N that dealt with Final Fantasy. And again, I was thinking that it was going to be about Final Fantasy II which was so much better, and it was about Final Fantasy One and the Elf Prince or whatever, and I was just seriously disappointed. <laughs> so my personal history with Final Fantasy One on the NES is just disappointment. Uh, one thing... Hi, 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 everybody! You should point out to them what we call Final Fantasy Two these days in case they're confused, because they're old, not old-timers like us. They're not 400 years old. So, fi- so what we mean, what I mean by Final Fantasy 2 is now Final Fantasy 4. But we skipped, uh, back in the day, back a hundred years ago, we skipped Final Fantasy 2 and 3, the real Final Fantasy 2 and 3 on the NES, and called Final Fantasy 4 Final Fantasy 2. So that's the very confusing history of Final Fantasy. 
and it still equaled disappointment. I actually have some history with this game. It's a rare and unique chance for me. So, it was one of the first NES games that I played. I played it at a friend's house. Um, and I remember, <laughs> and this has always been one of my pet peeves in RPGs, and even back then it didn't make sense to me, because he had me playing it, and I got to the first fight, and I had all my fighters attack the same monster, and he went, don't do that, because then when it's killed, all the rest of them are going to miss. And I said, well, that's stupid. They're not going to do that. They're just going to hit the next available monster. No, they, they missed. That's how games were. Um, it was just, it was funny to me that my first instinct as a gamer was, no, it's not going to work like that. That'd be stupid. But that's what it was. Um, I, I did really enjoy the fantasy aspects of Final Fantasy uh, when I first played it. Just the characters, the world, and so on. Uh, although, I don't think I, I never actually owned it myself. So I only played it in bits and pieces at other people's houses. Which might have been why uh, it wasn't such a legacy of disappointment for me. Because I never was actually sunk into the game itself. So, that's what I've got. Like all the games before, I have a story synopsis. Will it be better than your Chrono Trigger synopsis? Let's what, see. Whatever could Let's be. Let's see. The elements of the earth are failing. Monsters are running rampant. And so, four prophesied heroes of light arrive to save the world. Their quest to restore the four crystals that balance the world lead them to discover a 2,000-year-old time loop created by the forces of chaos. Honestly, the plot's pretty thin in this very game. Very thin. They try, at the very end, to try to tell you some plot that they've never really alluded to. Well, it's a little bit like... Um, that's not fair. They set it up at the beginning. When you meet the first king, after you beat the first boss, the king says, Oh, you're the warriors of light. You have to restore balance to the crystals in the world. Right. Go forth. Then the game plays a little bit like Breath of Fire 1, where it's just traveling from place to place, setting right whatever's wrong in that particular right. locale. Uh but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a tied narrative. It feels like they set up the story, they pay off the story, and in between you just kind of wander the world. Yeah, I felt like it was maybe a limitation of the system that they had a bigger interwoven story in mind, and then they just yeah, and then they just um, had to kind of somehow link the beginning and the end together, and it was really ham-fisted. I did like that the character of Garland, who is the first boss that you encounter, and typically in any game, the first boss is the pushover boss, and then you move on. But and Garland now, actually shows up at the end of the game, uh, which I liked. Yeah, that's true. Gar Garland is a more fully realized character than any of your heroes, or really any other character. Did you want game. to talk about characters, Russ? I feel like you so, want to. So desperately, because there are so many, and they just have such really deep, complex personalities and motivations. Like Princess Sarah. Princess Sarah, yeah, and Princess Jane. Who, did you notice, so Princess Jane, I'm assuming, is like 10. She's the princess that doesn't get kidnapped. Yes. And at the end of the game, in the closing credits, they say that the four warriors of light returned 
you know, back to Cornelia and, like, married Princess Sarah and Princess Jane. And first of all, I'm not sure how that works. Right. And then Princess Jane is, like, a preteen. Well, they waited. They waited for her to get older. Yes. Hey, in Great Greed, you could marry underage. You did. You could marry Cupcake. Um, You could also marry the king. Yeah. But, yeah, there's not a lot to say about the characters, really. I mean, you pick your... You picked... What about Montoya? Yeah, the witch. She's a witch, and she lives in a cave, and she has talking brooms. <laughs> what about Bicky the pirate? <laughs> Were you really taken by Bicky? I feel like he was... See, here's one of the problems I have with Final Fantasy. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I read a lot of 8-bit theater back in the day. Um, I loved 8-bit theater. Did you ever... Yes, no. no. Mm-hmm. It was a webcomic based on Final Fantasy 1 using sprites. Oh. But the story kind of went off the rails. <laughs> and, like, Princess Sarah was kind of a recurring character throughout the whole story. Like, things changed. Characters got expanded. Okay. Uh, Bicky was in a lot more. Like, So you were taken by Bicky <laughs> from Out of Context. Uh, Garland was a more constant presence throughout the whole story. Okay. It was all comedy and parody. Right. Uh, but I, I sometimes forget how little characterization there actually is in the game. <laughs> like, because I actually spent some time with these characters in another medium. You spent some time with these characters that nobody, uh, nobody was intended to. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Shout out for anybody who remembers Brian Clevenger's Eight Bit Theater. Yeah. No, I um I took nothing away from the characters. You have your four totally generic heroes like you would create in. I mean, they're not as interesting as anything you would create in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, they're and they're just, all one hundred percent silent protagonists. Yes. Yeah. Um. So the only characters like are the princesses. Garland. He's the most fully realized character. There's. There's like a professor guy, and there's some dwarves. Who was later renamed Sid. Yeah. Because there's not a Sid in this game. No, it's not the a first, Sid. There's no Chocobos. First there's Final Fantasy, of... the only Final Fantasy without a Sid. So in yeah, later remakes, yeah. they changed the, the professor to be named Sid. The, the most interesting thing I can say about the characters was I just liked... Just like, you know, there's like an elf kingdom, and there's a dwarf village. There's mermaids. There's like sky people... There's a robot. That was the, that was the most interesting thing about the characters is that there's a lot of like non-human characters that you don't see necessarily in later Final Fantasies. Like you don't. So really basically, see, there, there's lore to this. There's world. lore, yeah, but it, like but you we don't, don't really it. see elves or mermaids again in another Final Fantasy. It's true, you don't. It's all just I mean, humans see, being humans, right? And you see dwarves sometimes. Four has dwarves, but. Um, but it's more it's more of a fit. you can tell the the level of um like what it took from western sort of uh you know fantasy role playing and stuff dwarves and elves and what have you but the individual characters themselves just have no personality or you know no. you have to just make it up yourself you do like like you did for bicky obviously <laughs> bicky the pirate king are yeah now now I'm going to go look up this 8-bit theater. It, it ran for years and years. It's thousands of comics. Well, then I know what I'll be doing um, for a while. So there you go. That's it for story and characters. I'm actually surprised we talked about it for so long, considering there's not much there. There really isn't, no. Uh, and speaking of things where there's not much there, the combat system. <laughs>
up until now, one of the things we've used kind of as the standard metric is Dragon Warrior style turn-based yeah. combat. This is the same thing with a change in aesthetics, right? Uh, the Final Fantasy system of turn-based battle is instead of seeing from the first-person point of view, your heroes are lined up here, your monsters are lined up here, here's your menu, go step-by-step, step, say who... Say what this person's going to do, then this person, then this person, then this person, then watch. Yeah. Um, if you've played any JRPGs at all, I think you're at least familiar with this basic combat system. Because it's the first Final Fantasy game. It is as basic a combat system as you're going to get. It doesn't have all these bells and whistles and active time right. events and moving around the battlefield and all these other things that we've seen. And... Most notably, because Final Fantasy, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, Final Fantasy 1 came out just before or just after Dragon Warrior 3. No, just after Dragon Warrior 2. Okay, well, Dragon Warrior 2 was already doing these things better. Yes, <laughs> that is true. The, my, I, ha I just have to get off my chest. My least favorite thing about the combat system, which you already touched on, is that... You attack a monster, if you have all four of your characters attack the same monster, and the first one kills it, then the other three just whiff their attack. I actually, written right, it by, is I, just, I want you to know, Russ and I deliberately do not talk about the games after we play them until we film the review. And clearly, Russ and I have been spending too much time doing these games, because <laughs> Russ, I want you to read... Word for word, the second line here, the second thing I wanted to talk about in the combat system. Just read it out loud. If you are targeted, if you target at an enemy the previous fighter defeated, you whiff. Whiff. Yeah, we really. The exact same that, word. Yeah, that, and that is exactly what you do. Because it doesn't just say they do nothing, they actually jump out, they do their attack, yeah. and, and it, it does says nothing. Ineffective. Yeah, because there's nothing there to hit. That word, I ineffective. I hate that mechanic. I hate it hate it yes and what's so infuriating to me about it is that so many battles all through the game are like nine of the same monster which is true so a dragon quest one and two well dragon quest one you only ever you only faced one enemy at a time two i think you face you can face up to maybe six maybe something like that the the nine is a lot mud hands that can summon more you can get like 10 of those on the screen but only if they keep summoning them Final Fantasy, you'll you fight like nine, nine wolves, and if and unless your party is like four fighters, you're not going to be killing four four wolves per turn. Nine is a lot. So to fight that one random battle, it might take like five or six turns. Because you've only got four guys. Yeah. And you got to kill nine things, and very rarely do you encounter something that goes down in one hit. Very rarely, yeah. And and that is why, from a gameplay perspective, I played, as you'll see in this video, because I recorded the footage, you'll see that I played with a red mage, a white mage, and a black mage. Wow. And the pur purpose of that is because the red mage can supplement both types of magic, basically black magic, because level two black magic spells and higher target all enemies. So that's how you use the really convoluted magic point system. Yeah, I was about to talk about the magic point system. To take out those groups of nine monsters at once. I want to talk more about the job system in Innovations, if that's all right. Of course. Okay, but you did touch on the magic system. So the characters don't have 
magic points per se like you're used to where this spell costs three and this spell costs two and you do the math like i can cast this five times spells are divided into levels and as a mage levels up they gain more slots it's a little bit like older D D. yes it's like the they D&D gain way of spells but yeah. you're not traveling through these complicated dungeons <laughs> when yes. you're playing a tabletop dnd you know so you, you can cast random battles. three level two spells and four level one spells, and then when you're out, you can't cast any of those spells anymore. So it's groups of spells. And as Russ mentioned, the job class determines what types of mages can cast what types of spells, and it caps out at different levels, and we'll get to that. Um, although, let's I feel like we've been down on the Final Fantasy. This... <laughs> This is an amazing series after this point. For a while, and then it drops off again. Well, that remains to your personal preference. But this first game does do something that I like, that the Dragon Quest series did not do. What is that? It's a little cosmetic thing. It's not a huge deal, but I figure we give credit to what's what's due. I like it when these JRPGs, when you equip a different weapon... Mm -hmm. You see them use that weapon in combat. Oh, yeah. And this game does that. The swords have different colors, which is not that big a deal. But, like, if you equip your fighter with an axe, he jumps out with an axe instead of a sword. Mm -hmm. Your, your Your black belt comes out with punches or nunchucks or whatever you equip them with. There is a visual difference in the combat. It's a small touch, but it's not one that's done very often considering how small it is. Right. And I do, I like that effect. Well, yeah, that's true. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Was there anything else about the combat? <sighs> Not really. It was. It was really just frustrating. It's frust. It's frustrating. Like I said, if you're playing like an old school tabletop D and D campaign, you're not like exploring this maze like dungeon and just getting random battle after random battle that take way too long. The bad. The random battles take way too long. Well, that's because there's nine enemies. Exactly. But even when there's not, I mean, when you're not facing nine enemies, you're usually facing, like, two or three super tough enemies that even the fighter can't take down by himself in one round. I think I think what I'm trying to say is that I'm really spoiled by modern games. That does where sound a, like it. Where there's a heavier emphasis on... you. They, they weigh story and character. You know, you have story and you have characters that are way more engaging. So you weigh that with a less complicated and tedious battle system so you can get to this. But this is just a game that prolongs the time that it takes you to play it by having every random battle be an ordeal. See what I'm saying? I agree. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Because then the boss battles, none of the boss battles are really that tough. No, because it's only one enemy. Because it's only one enemy. You can focus. So you can, like, slaughter the bosses easily. But getting to the enemy is a slog. So it's just, it's fundamentally different than the way we play games now. So let's move on to innovation. Something we can actually talk positive about, (laughs) probably. So, you brought this up, and we touched on it a little bit. Let's talk about the job system. Yeah. I love a good job system in games. I really do. I do love it, too. Uh, and in fact, even though this came out after a couple of Dragon Quests, I would argue that with this job system that they've got in place, 
this would be one of the first JRPGs with real replayability factor, right? Because you could try true. out different teams right. and see how they... I mean, there are... So, at the beginning of the game, you have four characters, and you get to pick from six classes. Six classes. Mm -hmm. It's fighter, black mage, red mage, white mage, black belt, thief. And thief cannot steal. Yeah, no, there's which no... Was, <laughs> which was shocking to me when I first played. There are no special commands to these no. guys. It's mm -hmm. fight, magic, I think defend. Am I wrong? Right. Yeah, you can defend, you can fight, magic, or use I, an I, item. That, I, so there's not like... The black belt doesn't get special abilities. The thief doesn't get special abilities. It just changes their stats. It changes right. the items they can equip. The types of weapons they can equip. And it changes uh, what magic they have access to. Uh, the red mage does black and white magic, but he caps out much earlier than the other he two. He can only learn, like, there are, what, eight levels of magic? I think I he think can so. only learn up to six. He can't learn every spell. Actually, I think as a red mage, he can only learn up to four? Yes, because you get promotions. That's, you get and there is promotion. another thing. Well, uh, there is a s optional side quest in the game, and if you do it, all of your characters rank up in job basically the fighter becomes a warrior and the mages become wizards and the black belt becomes a master yeah and the thief, and the thief becomes, becomes a ninja, ninja. yeah and uh, apparently then he's super useful I but still can't steal still can't throw a shuriken and then can't do anything the wizards have higher limits than the mages when it comes to what spells they can equip and again the optional side quest with a great reward. Yeah. That's, that's innovative. True. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something we haven't seen this early on. Right. Um, but this game also does one of the things I hate, and I bring it up every time. When you're buying equipment, yeah. not only can you not tell if the equipment you're buying is better or worse than the equipment that character already has, when you buy equipment, you can't even tell what character can use it right. until you try to equip it and the screen goes... Meh. Yeah. At least Dragon Warrior said, oh, but thou canst not equip that. <laughs> if you tried to buy and hand a weapon or a piece of armor to a character exactly. that couldn't use it. This, this game, doesn't. Nothing. Nothing at all. And while we're on the subject, just inventory management in general... Yeah, it's a very limited it's inventory. Terrible. Like when you when you pick up like when you pick up a new weapon in the dungeon, the weapon just goes to the first available slot on the weapon screen. Well, like whatever character has an available slot on a weapon screen. Yeah. And you can't carry and and it's especially bad with armor because you can't carry more than what 12 pieces of armor because Sounds about right. Because each character has four slots. Yeah. And so, so I always found myself, like, picking up new pieces of armor in the dungeon and then, like, not even being able to shuffle through all of my armor inventory to get it to the right person. Well... It's very, it's very cumbersome. My, I think one of my bigger pet peeves might not have applied to you because you told us you used a uh, fighter and three different mages, right? I did, yeah. My party, whenever I play the game, is always uh, a fight. Fighters are great, right? Fighters are great, yeah. They're expensive, though. They can equip, like, all the weapons and armor, but that gets extremely costly. That's the problem with fighters. You could have four fighters and just own the game, but you couldn't afford to equip them Things all. Things are super expensive. I know, like, the top-tier level spells are, like, 860,000 gold. A popular party is two fighters and a white and a black mage. I think that's a very popular party arrangement. I do 
I always do a fighter, a black belt, and then one of each mage. Uh, once I discovered the secret to the black belt. Because there are weapons that only the black belt can use. But for some reason, nobody tells you the black belt is most effective with no weapons. Yeah, that's true. You actually pay money to put nunchucks in his hands, which make him less effective. Yeah. His mm -hmm. bare fist, he'll hit... And that's another thing this one, this game does, is like, you do multiple hits, you can get up to like eight, ten hits per yes. turn. Mm -hmm. Hits eight times. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it's, but how would you ever know that? Because when you equip something, it gives you no indication that it's any stronger or weaker. You can dig through the status screen, but it's like, equip something, go to the status screen. Yes, like I said. What numbers went up, what numbers went down. Okay, memorize all these numbers. <laughs> all right, go back out, unequip it. Go back into the menu screen. What went up, what went down. And that's how it took me so long to realize when I was a kid, black belts fight better with no right. weapons, even though there are weapons specifically for only them in the game. I don't understand that. So what we're saying, kids, is that this is what we had to suffer through in the 80s. Why? Just numbers and menus so that you could have all of the amazing games that you have Why today. Why would you put weapons in specifically for a character who suffers from using weapons, Russ? Right. Uh, I know. <laughs> You're having a really rough time with this, I can tell. Also, in this game, uh, as Russ alluded to, you buy your magic. You don't learn magic from leveling up. Right. You don't learn it from gear. You go into a new town, you find the magic shop, and you buy your spells. You do not have enough room to buy every spell in the game. No, there are four spells for each level. You only have three spell slots. Yeah, so you got to pick and choose... Which is fine, because there's a lot of spells that aren't really useful. That don't really do anything. Yeah. And that's a mistake that I made when I was a kid, is that I thought, I, for some reason, I really needed three spells in every level, but you don't. No. Like Black Mages, you buy your three basic elemental spells, you get fast, which gives you, which gives the character more hits. White Mage, you gotta get harm. And you have to get harm, yeah. Harm, harm. is... White mages just devastate undead. Do you in know this a game. you know a great way to beat the game if you're getting frustrated? What? Use a cheat code that lets harm hurt everything. Hurt all enemies and then the white mage can just blast through <laughs> until you're not frustrated anymore and you can continue playing the game normally. <laughs> I do like because of the job system like I said it gives replayability. It also lets people create challenges for themselves. You can go out there and find YouTube videos of people beating the game with four white mages who never love class up. Right. Or one white mage. And I would... I'm glad you brought that up in the, the, the innovation section because that's something that people do with every Final Fantasy game. And I, feel, and I feel like it kind of started with that. I mean, I may be completely wrong about that, but I feel like that... Because you can do it. People do that with every Final Fantasy, and it started with that first one. So there are... Yeah, there are challenges, all level one white mages. Basically making yourself a challenge. It's not... Right. The game doesn't have, obviously, achievements or trophies or anything. This is just... I think it's called emergent gameplay, where you're playing a game, right. and you create your own sub-game yeah. for yourself inside Because I know, even like Final Fantasy VII has like, no materia. You use no materia. Why would you do that? I know, but I'm just saying, this, this is kind of an innovation outside of the actual making of the game, that it started this, um, you know, spe special restrictive challenge thing that you can do with every Final Fantasy game. You can Google it, and you can find... 
for any Final Fantasy you want to play, different challenges. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to a section we are woefully underprepared for. The music. Yes. It's Uematsu, so I mean, you can't really say anything else besides that. I hope we can. I hope we can say something besides it's Uematsu. Done. <laughs> so, uh, Mike was not able to join us to film the next couple of episodes. He's getting married, which is an acceptable reason not to show up on a YouTube show nobody watches. So, yeah, Mike is not here. Uh, I'm going to try and maybe get, talk him into doing just a special episode talking about the composer of this series, which is... Uematsu. Who, because I mean, he's famous in he's the field. The, he's just the composer of Final Fantasy. I mean, he's so prolific that there's not even really much more. I'm sure someone that's into music has a lot to say. But to me, like it's Mike. just like... I, I know, but to me, it's just like, it's Uematsu, and he does amazing soundtracks. The music was fine. It was good. I mean, it... it some of the themes carry through the rest of the series, like the crystal right, theme. Right, I was going to say, like, I that, like the crystal theme. Yeah. That theme and, like, the intro, like the dun, 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 dun. I mean, I can't carry it too. Dun, 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 dun. Right. Very yeah. good. I mean, that carries through the entire Final Fantasy series, and it's so iconic. It's, I mean, it's like the, it's like the Lufia theme. Or me. the Dragon Quest fanfare. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's such a, it's such a cultural phenomenon of a piece of music ooh, ooh, say that word again phenomenon do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. no okay I just, i'm just gonna sit over are you gonna now. be okay okay yeah so i mean the, the music was fine was it a phenomenon do, do, it was do, a phenomenon do, 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 do. this is all making it into the video right? yeah i'm aware okay i'm sorry i just I don't have much to contribute to music. I, I know the guy is important. I know the guy does great work, and he does. I really wish Mike was here so that he could make us sound educated on the topic. Yeah. Did you have anything else? It's Uematsu. I mean, it was impressive. Part of it is just impressive that they were able to make such varied soundtracks and to make like that, that crystal theme and the, the opening theme and everything using chip tunes or what you know however they made it back then i mean i think that's really impressive and that now you hear it on like an orchestral level but it all started with just you know yeah did you like my rendition it was touching it moved me. i don't know notes or i don't i don't move i don't sing touched me deep inside um so I guess, unfortunately, that's it. That's all we have for music. Is it's it's Uematsu. What's his face? Yeah, Uematsu. Um, that guy. Uh, hopefully, we can come back around at some point with uh, Mike, who's a professional on music, and do it some justice. So we'll go ahead and move on to final thoughts. <laughs> I still sum this game up as a disappointment. Um, it just, it, it, I still feel like I did when I was a kid and I had played Final Fantasy 2 and then I was expecting something equal to that that came out earlier on a more low-tech system and it was just disappointing. Um, 
I would give I would give it a C. If you're if you're if you're just talking about the individual game and is it worth playing, I would give it a C and I would say that if you are going to play the original Final Fantasy, there's a lot of other ways to play it than on than like the original NES version. You, there's a there's a Game Boy Advance version, there's a PSP version. I think you can just play it on your phone now, iOS or Android. Um, and all of those are better ways to play it because they've done quality of life improvements that make it a more streamlined experience. But it still just it doesn't have the story or the plot, which are things that are very important to me in a game. I like a balance between a challenging battle system and you know good good characters and good story. And then in terms of battle systems, there's a difference between challenging in a fun way and challenging in just sort of a stressful and frustrating way that you just really want to use cheat codes to blast through it. Um, so, yeah, overall I would give it a grade of C, um, but I would give the legacy that it started an A+. Russ stole... i got to stop letting him do these final thoughts first because it sounds like I'm copying him. Uh, I, Judging the game by itself, again, I'm with Russ. I'd give it a C. It's just... There's not much there. It's a good starting point. They, they, they started something good, clearly, and it grew and evolved into other things. But, uh, and I suppose the C score is really because of the age we live in now. Playing this as a kid on the NES when I didn't know better, when I didn't know there could be better, probably a B plus. If I'm really just trying to put myself in the mindset of all I've had up to this point was Dragon Warrior and Dragon Warrior 2, yeah, okay, it can be a, a solid B+. Plus. Uh, it's, I don't like picking on a game that did start such an iconic series, but it's kind of like with TV shows. Even really good TV shows, that pilot is often pretty rough, and the pilot is not a fair way to judge the series as a whole in most cases. Anytime I'm trying to introduce somebody to a TV show that I really love, it's like, you understand pilot, right? Like, wait till the second episode before you make judgments. So in that regard, Final Fantasy One is sort of the pilot of Final Fantasy. Um, although, funnily enough, I will say it is a lot better than Final Fantasy Two. Not, not four, the one that we call two actual Japanese 2 because I can't stand Final Fantasy 2 it's torturous to play but uh yeah it I feel bad that we weren't nicer to this game but I, I didn't make the game I can't help it so as Russ touched on if you want to play Final mm -hmm. Fantasy 1 it's everywhere it just everywhere. go Game Boy Advance PSP iOS Android. It's Wonderswan. Wonderswan, yeah. If you got a Wonderswan, there is a Wonderswan version. <laughs> For all of those hardcore Wonderswan I fans. Know. <laughs> uh, so that's it for Final Fantasy yeah. 1. Um, the next Final Fantasy game we'll do, which it won't be soon, is actually going to be Final Fantasy 4. Uh, I just wanted to explain because. One of the rules I set down for this is that we play games in order. Him and his rules. We would we would just be playing Final Fantasy IX right now if it was up to me. What did I explain to you yesterday? <laughs> I, in my own little way, am an artist. I'm a writer. I have a respect for the artist vision. 
they created these games in a specific order. Unless the creators come out and say, actually, I'd prefer it if you play it in this order. I'm going to play it in the order they came out because that's... It's less important with Final Fantasy, I suppose, but with other games that actually carry over characters and plots, that's the order of the story. You don't... When you pick up a book, do you read page 9 and then skip to page 1 and then read page 43? I do. No, you read it in the yeah. order that the author gives it to you. And my philosophy is that I'm like 900 years old, so I could be dead at any moment. I can I'm, only hope. And I'm just going to do what I enjoy. <laughs> so, we are skipping Final Fantasy 2 II and 3, though, because I hate Final Fantasy 2. And I feel like I can skirt around it because 2 and 3 did not come out in America yes. in that order. We, ne we never got the NES versions of 2 or 3. So, we'll go from Final Fantasy 1 to Final Fantasy 4, just like our lives did. But that's not what we're playing next. You're welcome. That's not what we're playing next no. time. Next time... There is a microphone right there. Was that loud enough? I'm just so excited. When I edit this segment together, you're going to make me go deaf right there. I'm so excited. All right, Russ, what are we playing next time? Next time, we are playing The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, first chapter. There's more? There is more. There's a second chapter. There's a third chapter. In total, there are eight games. Soon to be nine. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaurproductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.
Christ. <laughs>